0: Remember to record, Tim. Okay, we're on
1: Facebook. All right, I've got the audio recording. So we'll get started here. Let me just pull up Facebook. And here we are. We're at another Green Room podcast. I'm Gabe Legaspi, and this is Tim Jacobs. And we're excited to dive into another one. And you can subscribe to these. You can go on iTunes, look up uh, Compass Church, Goodyear AZ. And you can find our podcast, you can subscribe to that, and you can even rate it. That would be a cool thing, and write a review.
0: Well, you can only rate it if you rate it five stars out of five, or ten stars out of ten. Otherwise, don't
1: bother. Don't even bother,
0: because we don't need that. But this is episode number four, kind of like Star Wars was the episode number four. That
1: is correct. The best one. Ooh. Ooh, what was that? Hold on one second. There we go. I just Tim and I just heard an echo, because we are actually... Uh, watching our live feed. So if you're following along and you have some questions, you can uh, dump that in there and, and we'll try to work that in. So I'm following the comments in uh, Facebook as well. So we're in our series on identity. It's been really great. Uh, we've had Dave preach a uh, week before last and then Andre preached this week. What are the things that you're really excited about that's been said and where we're going?
0: Well, absolutely. It's clear to me that one of the key issues in our culture right now is identity. And everybody wants to be identified with something or as something, and they're searching for their identity like never before. Right. And so I think this is an incredible time for us to to really dive into the question of how does Christianity, how does the Bible address the question of identity? Because um it, it, the question is is there really design in me has God made me a certain way for a certain reason has he put me where he's put me in terms of my 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 race my ethnicity my my background everything God has made me as Andre did such an incredible job talking about 1 psalm 139 that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made that every single day of my life was already foreordained by God he he knows, it's like the book has already been written, you're just going page by page right now in the story that God's written for you, and that should bring in a tremendous amount of comfort, because you can't, we can't do everything. We can't, you know, there's only, we only have a finite amount of time, but we're living the time that God wants us to live. And that should hopefully bring peace to people who are struggling with who am I and everything else. God's got you where He wants you. He's made you the way He wants you to be. He hasn't made mistakes. He hasn't made junk. He's made something beautiful and wonderful. And the more we get away from God and the more we ignore Him, the more confusion we have about ourselves and who we are.
1: Yeah, I I, I think there's a lot that you just said there. Um, you know, Ravi Zacharias, who... I, I subscribe to. i was a big fan of him. He talks about how every worldview has to has to define these things: identity, origin, purpose, and destiny. Right, and condition of the world. And and you just hit all those things because they're all kind of tied up into that identity. You know who we are, who we've been made to be, and that also gives you a trajectory of of where you can go. Right. As well.
0: Right, and because. Yeah, if you don't know where you came from, it's hard to know where you're going and why you're supposed to be going there. And what I'm hoping people will realize through our series, and even just in their life themselves, is that there is a beauty in their own uniqueness. And it's, it, has, it does have so little to do with the externals and more to do with the fact that you, you have value just simply because you are. Yeah. And what's really interesting about this whole thing that's come out with this shooting is terrible tragedy. That uh, it happened in Orlando, is that and you see like churches have responded and and people have responded saying we we know that that the shooter targeted this um, this gay nightclub and a lot of the people of the 49 who were killed were um, were homosexuals. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know I mean it matters in the sense of this is who the guy targeted. These are human lives who have value. Not because of their choice or their wiring or whatever you want to call it. and, and I think that's part of the problem. It's like, well, you know I, I'm 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 a you know lesbian or gay or bisexual person. So you need to value me because of that. No, I'd valued you before, yeah, because your value is intrinsic. Your value doesn't come from your sexuality. Your value comes from God because you're made in His image. And you know those things, um, we can talk about it. And see, that's where I think a lot of where we've gone off track. So if I say, you know, I don't think, I don't believe that that kind of lifestyle is a lifestyle that's constructive for you, that brings joy for you. I don't believe that fundamentally that's, that's, what, that's God's best for you. I don't believe that. But that doesn't take away your value because your value isn't wrapped up in that. Yeah. Your value is wrapped up in the fact that you exist and you're made in the image of God. And so in a strange way... Um, you've got people that say, well, well, you know, I've got to be defined this way and you better value me for this. I don't value you for your sexuality. I value you because you're a human being. I don't value you for your race. I value you because you're a human being. And when we begin to devalue people based on those things or assign more value to one person than the other guy because of those things, we start to get off topic. And what's so tragic about this is not that the shooter went to a homosexual nightclub. It's that 49 people made in the image of God were murdered and and you know 53 or however many others um, were injured. And when you know whenever they talk about injuries it's like well we get in our, our, our mind like oh maybe they got a cut or whatever else. Those can be very debilitating and yeah. brutal. We don't even know these you have 53 people that will be living injured potentially for the rest of their lives because of this. And then of course the the hundreds of others who just were there and were traumatized by yeah, the whole thing and a it's an awful thing.
1: Emotional injuries as well. Absolutely dealing
0: with that. and then the people that are surrounded
1: outside of them that weren't even there but are touched by this because they know that person or they were they were related to that person so it's a it's a tragic thing all around and and anybody who doesn't see that they're they're missing the whole point
0: right It, it is a tragic thing but at the same time it's an opportunity hopefully for all of us to come together and say, "Hey, listen, let's just reclarify." Okay, I know we've had our our differences or our squabbles or or our arguments about you know legitimate lifestyles and, and lifestyles that we think might be problematic or destructive or just unbiblical, but that does not take away from the immensity of the tragedy that occurred. Yeah, one you thing know?
1: that happened this Sunday. If if you weren't at our church, uh, we prayed for those lives, for those families, for the people touched. Uh, what are some things you think the church can do in, in helping uh, bring healing, bringing hope, bringing identity and all those things?
0: That's a great question, because obviously, you know, timing is a big, a big important part here. And and that's why I think with this, when something like this happens, we got to step back and say, hang on a second. Again, everyone's valued in the, in the image of God here. And, and we need to mourn with people who lost their lives, who, who were traumatized. And we need to see the evil for what it is you know it it was a very evil act perpetrated by and what what and what we also see in this is the importance of beliefs beliefs matter you yeah. know what i mean it matters what you think about people and what you think, and then how you should respond. Just because I disagree with the way somebody lives does not give me the right to hurt them or even insult them or injure them or certainly not to, to go in and kill them. And and the, the problem that we have in the culture is that people have equated, well, because you disagree with me, therefore you hate me and you wish I was that No, 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 that's... that's That's not it at all. So what we have to do, I think timing wise, we have to step back for a minute and go, okay, we have to mourn with, with everybody. And we have to feel like this collective consciousness of like, man, this was a terrible, horrible, awful thing that happened. And, and then I think like, I love what Chick-fil-A did, you know, Chick-fil-A, which has been, you know, uh, criticized by the culture, the pop culture in many ways for, for comments that were made and saying, you know, we don't support same sex marriage. They opened their doors on Sunday when they're always closed on Sunday. I mean, You know, I've stood in the window at Chick-fil-A on Sunday and begged them to open their doors. With a tear. With a tear. Single
1: Denzel Washington tear coming down your face. Yes, and just
0: hungry. And they won't open your door for you for nothing. I mean, they're like, we are closed on Sunday. We're never compromised. And they open their doors on Sunday and they're giving out free food. And I thought that was a really cool statement. So here's the key thing. It's grace. Yeah. And sometimes grace means withholding things that you might normally say because the timing's really bad or the situation doesn't call for it. The situation calls for... For you know what, um, people have lost their lives. This is really sad, and let's 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 try to put ourselves in the shoes of the people who went through this terrible thing. Yeah, you know, and we do know that that um, there are a lot of people, um, even in that lifestyle, who just by nature of the fact that they live in that lifestyle, experience a lot of hurt and experience a lot of. You know, isolation and brokenness, or whatever, and then to have all of that on top of it, then this terrible tragedy and this terrible act of evil done against them just redoubles that. So, so as the church, what can we do? Well, the first thing we do, we have to be careful what we say, and we have to be careful what we don't say, um, in, in in this moment right now. And what we can, what we can say is, "Hey, listen, your life matters to God. Yeah, it matters to God. And whenever these things happen, no matter who they are, it's it's tragic.
1: Yeah, you touched on a lot of really cool points in there. I remember uh, finding a book years ago that was written shortly after World War II. Uh, The author's name was Weaver. I can't remember his first name, but he wrote a book called Ideas Have Consequences. Mm -hmm. And he was basically writing, you know, almost in response to the belief systems that the Nazi regime had and, and saying, you know, people have intrinsic value. If you don't believe that, there's an outworking there. So when we, we look at worldviews and things mm-hmm. like that, I mean, the conversation is going to go that way eventually. Maybe now is not the time. But we have to really go, what brings the most value to human
0: life? And when you say beliefs have consequences, what we mean specifically is the beliefs of the shooter. Yeah. You know? And those are very different than Christian beliefs. Those are not Christian beliefs. No. Um, we do not believe. We, we See, the crazy thing about this is is Jesus gives in the book of John like the ultimate essence of of what it, of living out a Christian faith? And yeah. what is it to give your life for someone else? Um, greater love has no one than this that he laid down his life for right. his friends. So the, the 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 pinnacle of Christianity, the the greatest expression of Christianity, is not to shed innocent blood. Or even to shed guilty blood for that matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? From, from a vengeful standpoint. You know what I mean? If you're operating in a, in a situation of a war where you're like an agent of a that's different. Or justice. Or, there's, there's things in there. Yeah, yeah right. True. But 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 to not shed your blood, but for me to shed my blood, right. if it means sparing you, like that is the ultimate existential, you know, manifestation of the Christian life. The righteous man dies for the unrighteous man. Which is what Jesus yeah. did. Exactly. So that is so. 180 degrees, wildly different than from what this guy did. And the, the, the only challenge that I have is, you know, you see some of these op-ed pieces and things that have been coming out saying, well, you know, see, this is what religion does. Religion teaches this kind of stuff. No. And that's where, you know, you got to yeah. push back and say, time out. That's not fair. That is not true. Now, are there some Christians who who or people who claim to be Christians? And say these things, yes. But there's some in every group who try to right. m- who misrepresent the larger focus of the group.
1: Well, even in this book uh, that I was referring to, it says ideas have consequences. So right. he's, he's actually relating it to not even religious beliefs, but the ideas that aren't founded. So he's saying if you have an atheistic, primal approach to life that devalues human life mm-hmm. and says we're animalistic... That has a consequence that, that can bring destruction as well. So, you yeah. know, and they're both beliefs, you know, believe it or not, at the end of the day. So you you whatever we think, you know, it has outworkings and it's going to come out in some way or some form. It is. So it's important to understand what do you really believe
0: and let that work its way out. And by the way, what's so critical about what you just said, which was huge, and I wish yeah. people talked about this more. Is it the way that we know we're going to defeat this? Because we already know these people are in our country. Yep. We we don't know where they are. We don't know when they're going to strike again. And it doesn't matter what kind of laws you pass or whatever. You can't ban them. You can't keep them out. You can't. You can't. <laughs> it's they're, not they're, they're people already here. So the Build only thing you yeah. can do is you have to change the ideology. Yep. You have to change the beliefs. Yep. But you can't substitute something for nothing. Yep. You can't tell an Islamic extremist. Don't believe in God, and don't believe that God wants vengeance on people. You have to say, no, God put himself—you know there's a God. You just believe in a God that is not the God that is the true God. The true God would never call you to do that, Mm -hmm. that grace and love trump this death and destruction that you are believing but you can't just replace something with nothing you can't you know nature hates a vacuum and when there's a vacuum in a culture like there is in ours where you pay all kinds of money to go to school where they basically teach you that you are an animal and believe in nothing something's going to fill that void some kind of passion some kind of because we're just that's who we are and so you would expect that that something raw and strong is going to step into that void right. and is going to be much more powerful than the ivory tower, you know, college professor kind of people who just can sit back in the safe kind of environment where they're not really challenged yeah. until you throw out all your beliefs and embrace, you know, quote unquote rationality or whatever else.
1: Yeah, I can't remember who said I've heard Ravi quote it, but that the real destruction. And the real devastating weapons aren't made in the laboratories, but they're made on the desks of these, these college professors, philosophers, and things like that. Because the ideology is what, mm-hmm. when it's carried out, you know, as soon as you dehumanize somebody, that's when it's easy to treat them
0: however you want. Absolutely. The dehumanization part. And you see how many subtle ways. And we have to remember, this is important too. And this stuff, again, this is... We, we say these things because we see these things happening in our culture and we don't know why but yet we do know why when you raise up um ideas above the value of people and even when you raise creation up yeah you know and you raise animals up um, above or to the level of people the the value of the people has to always come down and remember in in Psalm chapter 8 it says, it, the, the, I think it's David who's writing the psalm says, "You created men a little lower than the angels." So we always look up to God for our value, whereas the secularist always looks down to the animals for his value right. or his identity. Well, I came from this primate or this whatever, and we and we. Put, patch all these things together to try to come up with our story. Where the Bible always tells us to look up and see that we have eternal value that can't be, you can't put a price on that. And the biggest way that that's been proven in our narrative, in our story is Jesus. That God himself um, was willing to give himself up for us I mean, yeah. you can't have a higher price in all of the universe so when you have that what happens is that filters into everyday life and and you say okay the, of course there's people whose lifestyles and whose ideas i disagree with but i but i can still say that you are my my, my brother my sister you know i i don't i don't want you to uh I, I feel like i've found something in my life that's true and good and constructive and i don't want you to miss that
1: yeah yeah, there's a difference in that, that language yeah. that I think people miss, miss out. And usually, you know, unfortunately, some people take the Christianity and they twist it. You really have to—you cannot judge a worldview, philosophy, or an idea against its abuses. You have to look at the source, and I think you, you keep doing that. You keep pointing back to Jesus. How would Jesus handle this? How would Jesus—how did Jesus handle this? And looking at that and, and understanding that's the real value of Christianity, because it's based off of Christ.
0: And there, you know, and it's funny, what would, how would G, what would Jesus do if he were here? He would weep for the loss in the same way that the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept when he saw Lazarus, not only his friend, but he saw the people mourning. He looked, he looked around and he saw the, 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 what happens with sin, what sin does. You know, we like to cover that up oftentimes, and we, and we say, oh, sin, you shouldn't talk about sin, and we ignore that's the real problem. What this guy did was sin. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's to shoot up all that was that was that was one of the big that's the biggest act of sin to take another human life. And so Jesus would weep over the sin and and then I think there would be um a, a very, very righteous anger. Yeah. That um and then that's that's what we you know, that's see, here's the deal. With this, with this, we believe with everything. Um in, with in your case and my case, either I pay for my sin or Jesus pays. But yeah. somebody's gonna pay. No free lunch. There's no free lunch. So either I pay for what I've done or Jesus has been Now, I, Thankfully, for in your case and my case and for anyone's case, you can opt to have Jesus pay for your sin. And you don't have to keep paying for it over and over and over again. Yeah. And a lot of Christians miss that and they beat themselves up. It's like, no, the power of Jesus to pay for sin was fully and complete. You don't need to do that again because he did it for you. You need it better than you ever could.
1: Yeah. You're not a worthy sacrifice to pay for your sins. You know, Right. But yeah.
0: but if he doesn't, you will. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think um, you nailed it right there with, with Jesus, and I think there's a big problem. You know, I feel bad for anybody that doesn't have a worldview that can really point at this and say it's evil. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a definition of sin, of there's a such thing as wrong and right, you're really going to scratch your head in this situation because you're going to go, that feels really wrong, but I have no language to, to handle this thing.
0: And we should also not think for a moment that Many, every, even the secularist worldview has a huge definition of sin. They won't call it sin, but they've got so many rules about what you can and can't do, what you can and can't say. I mean, even in college campuses now, the the microaggression training and everything else. I mean, wow, you, you thought the old testament was bad. So I'm gonna take a class where I'm gonna sit down in a college class that I've gotta pay for and be instructed about all the things that I've done wrong to to all these other people that I didn't even know. That is a that is such a parallel. It's a wrong parallel, but it's a, what so then you can say this on the one hand and say, I'm gonna sit you down and I'm gonna convict you of your sin against all these groups and, and everything that you've done to oppress people. And people have no problem at all saying that. But if I turn around and say, you know what? Here's what the scripture says about your sin. Oh, that's so offensive. And who are you yeah. to judge me? I mean, I got to go to a safe place now. I got to go to a safe place and play <laughs> with a stuffed animal and eat a chocolate chip cookie or whatever yeah. else. It makes, it, it's, it is the most, it's so hypocritical. I'm not saying that I'm not a sinful person. But I'm, but, and I'm not saying that we don't have sin. But you're, you are. You, if you think that a microaggression is your definition of sin, man, you got another thing coming. Yeah. Because people, because what happens is, and it's, it's really much, it's so much like the Pharisees, the 640 rules of things you can and can't do. You go into a college campus today, you'll have Pharisees telling you these are the things you can and can't do, you can and can't say. And, uh, and so what is it? All it is is nature abhors a vacuum. We've eliminated the concept of sin to the ability to define it, but we still feel it and see it and we want justice. So we create a parallel system that pales in comparison and effectiveness, but it's still there. And by the way, it'll be much more destructive because it will not, because what's it going to lack? Grace. It's going to lack grace. See, the difference between, between the Christian and the secularist is not is not an awareness of sin. Both sense an awareness of falling short. Yes. What happened there? Some reason to reboot it. Rebooted a, up. There you go. There. I was hearing myself talk again. But the <laughs> difference is not an awareness of sin, because they both have that. We, they both understand we fall short. But the difference is we have grace, and the secularist doesn't. Right. The secularist won't know what to do because they don't have that injection from outside of us that's what Jesus is. Jesus is that injection, that X factor, that secret sauce that we that that no one could have come up with on their own. Right.
1: Yeah, it doesn't even make sense to us. Is everything you you pay for, you get what you pay for. It's merit-based. Grace is so other than it's it the Bible even refers to it sometimes as it's uncomprehensible, almost. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. Because it doesn't match up with everything we've experienced, yet we long for it. Yeah. So it's that's really awesome stuff. So I want to get into a little bit... Um, we're going to go from this identity, talking about that. I want to segue into um, fatherhood. Yeah. We're approaching Father's Day. You're going to be doing a message on identity and fatherhood. And I think there's a lot of that tied into what we've just discussed about, because our heritage... Is also another thing that 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 kind of defines us sometimes, and we you can either be a slave to that, or you can you can break out of that, or it can be a good thing, a positive thing. But what would you what would you say about that? You, you're into a into a message on identity, fatherhood. Um, how does that play into what we're talking about here?
0: I think we have to acknowledge that fatherhood is at the core of what is wrong with us. We have, theologically speaking, we have left our father. We left him in the garden. You know, he ran after us, but we, we chose to become, we kind of orphaned ourselves mm-hmm. by our own sins, spiritually speaking, right? That's in our history. But then when it translates into our earthly father, The broken relationship that most of us have with our fathers, and and maybe you have a great relationship with your father, but those John Elders talks about the wound from the father that's passed down. And at the core of so much of our problems in our society is is that that broken, unreconciled relationship with fathers. I mean, holy cow. We'll look all the way down, you know, into, into the prison systems. Yeah. What do you have? When, what do you have in the prison systems? You have a whole bunch of men, many of them young, who have no relationship with their father.
1: And that's a common denominator across races, across social systems, a- uh, everything. caste systems, all that stuff. There's a common denominator there with fatherlessness or abusiveness from the father or things like that.
0: And one of the things that we want to talk about is that, is that your father is the one who, who, in a sense, names you, who gives you that identity. And if you never get named by your father... And again, I want to give props to John Eldridge to talk about, for talking about this in his book, Wild at Heart, and there's been other guys that have followed up on it. But your father is the one who tells you who you are. And if you don't, if that's been misrepresented, if that's been broken, if that's been um, just absent, then you're going to go on this search all the time for your father and what he has to say about you. And so it, so what happens with women is When they go on the search for their father, they try to find that, that, that understanding of who they are in other men, even if they're abusive or whatever else, because they're trying to find the answer, am I beautiful? Am I valued? Am I, am I worth anything? Whereas the men will often answer, ask the question, am I really a man? you know, dad, do you see me as one of you? Do you see me as a man? Because if you say I'm a man, then I'll believe I'm a man. But until you say that, until you communicate that, I don't know. And so I'm going to go into either um, as, um, oh gosh, what's the guy's name, who wrote this article, this brilliant article um, about 12 years ago that came out on the Claremont Institute um, about wimps and barbarians. I can't remember his name, but but really, it's the two extremes that men tend to go to. Either they become very passive, very wimpy, very on the sidelines. They don't. They women are completely turned off by them because there's nothing there. Or they become barbarians. They become abusive. They become angry. They over assert themselves and they become obnoxious. And they don't know because both of them are asking the same question. Someone tell me I'm a man. Someone right. tell me who I am. And I think that is at the core. Of, of our problem. And we're not naming that enough. You know, we're not acknowledging that enough. It's not going to be a government program. It's not going to be more education. It's not going to be more money. It's not going to be um, whatever the case is that you want to make it. It's somehow I've got to reestablish or form a relationship with somebody that I can call my father, and who has to show me who, who I am based, hopefully, as a mirror image of the reflection of God.
1: You know, and really the church can step in in a lot of ways um, and fill that void. Um, both myself and I know Dave uh, Hurtado, our executive pastor, we kind of grew up with some voids there. Um, there were a lot of godly men that, you know, they weren't perfect men, but God used them in great ways. I, I think back to to um, uh, Pastor Joel, uh, Mark Craigler, these guys I'm naming that, that were there when I was growing up, Ken Abrams uh Martin bratlin uh Larry Hughes just men that that uh did what they could to help fill the i mean you can't yeah. you can't fill those shoes um but they can do things to model godly and i I had a clear picture I remember when I was younger uh my dad was kind of absent from the scene mm-hmm. and my mom said, you know your dad's not around, but you do have a perfect father in heaven mm-hmm. and that was never you know some people go oh you're gonna be mystified by that that idea of a father. And I think actually the fatherless guys tend to try to wrestle with that more. You know, for me, it was never, I was like, oh, perfect father. It's all the things that aren't there. That's what he is. And it just made sense. You know, I I, I read uh, Donald Miller's book a few months ago that was on, it's called uh, To Own a Dragon. It was about his just kind of memoirs of being fatherlessness and mm. being fatherless and he just kind of talked about that same thing you know that's that's exactly it you know you're you're searching for that that someone to tell you okay you're you're on the right track you're doing this and this and you do you either you either become passive or you become more assertive more barbaric and you can be the judge of which which direction i kind of went or uh you know tim went here you know he wasn't fatherless
0: but guys tend to go one way or another yeah and so um, I think what we're hoping to do on Sunday, because Father's Day tends to be a day that, that you know, dads don't want to go because <laughs> they're going to get beat up because they're terrible dads. And actually, we have some cool stuff happening on Father's Day. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, we have a little competition like we always do. Yeah. And we're giving some stuff away. We have um, our third annual meat on a stick.
1: Yeah, you can't. Where else you, are you going to get that? Where else are you going to get you that? I meat on a stick. Father's Day. You, you don't want to miss that. So if you're thinking about staying in bed for Father's Day, don't we're gonna have some brisket, we're gonna have some fun. It's yeah. It's gonna be a good time.
0: And what you're not gonna get beat up about how bad of a father you're being. Rather, I wanna talk about the role of fatherhood in shaping your identity and how important that is. Because if you can recognize, you know what? I have been I, I there's there's been this kind of gaping hole, or this wound or whatever else, and I can acknowledge that, then maybe I can it can get me a step closer to kind of healing that and understanding more of who I am and who God has made me to be because God is the ultimate father. So we're going to talk about that, but I want to even say when we look at this Orlando shooting, once again, you start tracing the uh, layers of the onion back. Who's, who's the, 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 um, well, of course there's the antagonist. Who's, who is it? This whole thing co-starring in this whole, the guy's father. Yeah. I mean, you have a guy who, who has, um, made statements about homosexuals. You have a guy who had a TV show or something and, and he was, you know, very hardline and aligned himself with the Taliban. But you think that that guy who shot up that place has some daddy issues? Oh, yeah. yeah. And he had a father who was involved in his life, but in a very negative way. I just, here's the thing we have to understand. Imagine if this shooter's father was one who taught grace, who taught love, who taught compassion, and who taught. Things that uh, to taught a God of love. Yeah. You have 49 human beings still alive today. Yeah, that's huge. You the would. impact of that. You would. I mean, because yeah. the, everybody ran right to the father. And now they're seeing this as a, um, as, a as definitely a, a, a step in the whole process.
1: I think one thing, too, to say is you cannot underestimate the role of a father. No. So, you know, like, you know, I had mentioned, I kind of grew up fatherless. Um, my dad, since then, we, we have a pretty good relationship. We talked on the phone yesterday. Um, it's never too late. Right. So your role is still effective. You can still do incredible things. I know you work really hard to do right by your kids. I I pray about it. Think about it daily. You screw up all the time. You're you going to screw up all the time. Um, but you just, you you plug away and you do the best you can to be that protector, provider, and, and guide for your household. And it's a role that cannot be filled by anybody else.
0: You know, and you bring up a good point, and and that is that, you know, a father is going to make mistakes. He's not going to be perfect. You know, I, I make mistakes. I do things that go, man, why am I doing that? <laughs> Moment
1: uh, right after. That yeah that was that, like was, that was emotionally scarring. I shouldn't have yeah. said that. Yeah. Thought, well, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, you're, oh you're man. You need therapy for that one. Gonna, right. <laughs> so send here me the comes bell. the counseling.
0: <laughs> but but I think that it all comes down to who you are and they've got to see you and they've got to see a man who does what he says he's going to do. Right. Who 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 speaks truth who lives with godliness. They don't see a guy who does one thing and says another. The, you can't... And, and if you do something that isn't right or you're not proud of, you have to own that. You know, the kids aren't stupid. All they are are little adults. And by the way, the things that they're seeing in you, these things are magnified. Yeah. Like the stuff when they see at 8, 9, 10, 15 years old, these are things... That are going to be carried with them until their 60s and 70s. There's a big panoramic pictures that they've snapped and put into their consciousness of you, and and they. So it's okay if you mess up, but if you've got to come along and say, "Hey, listen, here's where Dad went wrong here, and I'm still on the journey." And that's you know, I, I hate to say it, but I wish I was better over here. Yeah, you know, and that that kind of thing. But um, that's what the kids want to see, and then they want to see: Do you do you um do you love them for who they are? And and uh, I like I don't understand Gabe. I don't understand the dads, who who make their kids do stuff that they themselves couldn't do. Right? You know, like I was hearing um, somebody talk about this that a lot of times, the like professional athletes, they their own kids aren't they don't push their own kids because they themselves you know were pushed and they know what that life is like to have to become a professional athlete. They don't want that for their kids. You know, if some of them do and they rise up to it, but the vast majority of them don't want that because they don't want to have to go, but you can always, the whole point was you can always tell the, the guy that didn't, that wasn't really very good at athletics. Cause he's the one driving his kid to do all this great stuff that he himself couldn't do. And it's like, get over yourself. Um, get over trying to live vicariously through your son or whatever, right. Uh, and Love them for who they are, and if they discover, you know, sports or music or or reading or science or whatever, and that's what they do, they're not you. Yeah, you know, they're not you.
1: I was thinking through this because uh, we were going to go a different direction in the series, but we ended up going this direction. Where I, uh last series, and I was going to do one on growing up fatherless and and mm-hmm. and all that. And I, I remember one of the main things I I realized in my study was that. Um, a father is measured by their sacrifice. Yeah. Not their domineering, but their, their strength, and specifically their strength and their ability to sacrifice. I mean, that's the question every kid and wife has, right, is that, you know, will you sacrifice for me? Mm-hmm. And, and that's really, if you want to know if you're doing well, how much are you sacrificing? How much of your time do you spend thinking about yourself? How much of your time do you spend thinking about the needs of, and dreams of your your kids and your wife
0: that's what you'll be remembered and Give for. to that yeah that's, that's what you'll be remembered for and it's not to say that i mean we've i mean we're, we have to enjoy our lives yeah. and we have to pursue the things that we want to pursue and i think it's foolish to to live your lives completely for your kids to where sure. you put everything on hold and then they grow up and they go out of the house before you know it and then you've got nothing that you've done for the last 20 years right of any real you know consequence well and then you teach them that their whole wor- world is about them too so that's no good, right <laughs> yeah right absolutely So yeah, I think, but I think what people are going to hear on Sunday and what I'm excited about talking about is, is dealing with that whole, that whole woundedness. And I, I know, um, I mean, there's just all of us have stuff that we, we, well, let me put it this way. We do so much of what we do because of that relationship and that interaction and that truth or, or lie that was given to us by our fathers right. that drives so much we we've, i think if we really stopped and think and thought about it we would be completely blown away by that by that impact you know so
1: yeah yeah we had a fun time uh i did a men's group this last connection group rounds and we did a whole thing on fathers we um we wrote letters to yeah. our dad it was it's really cool thing, it's you cool. know, as we discussed it. But uh, we tried to keep it positive, mm-hmm. Try to go, you know, this isn't going to be a dumping ground where you just dump on your dad. Right. You know, maybe some people may have had to write two different letters. Um, one that they give. Yeah, one, one that, that they, they give and one that they, one that they burn, <laughs> you know. But uh, we found it to yeah. be really powerful. You know, a lot of these, everybody's got some, some daddy issues and, and they, they've got to yeah. figure that out. Um, but it's real important to be an agent of reconciliation. Yeah. And, and even in that relationship, and if you're a dad and you're listening, you've been estranged, a, a you know, it's never too late. You can, you can jump in there. You can, you can speak, you know, I, I remember I had a conversation with my dad over a beer a while back ago, we sat down and I just kind of got his uh, story. And uh, if you know anything about me, you know, I'm not a crier and I found out my dad's not either. So this, no tears were shed, but um, I learned that that's probably where I got that from at least not publicly publicly. Yeah. Not a crime, it's just behind not, closed doors. Yeah. In the, in the closet at night weeping. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I watch, uh, old yeller, but, um, lifetime lifetime, the lifetime movies get me. But, uh, you know, he said to me with as much of a tear in his eyes as he could get, the gospel changes everything. Yeah. And, you know, this is a guy looking back, you know, where there was moments of, of, but he, he goes, man, I look at, where you're at, I, I think about my marriage now. I think about my relationship with you now. I wish I had that, you know. But you can't go back. You can't change those things. But you can you can fix what you got now. And I'll tell you, uh, if, if if relationships are strained, go back to the gospel. I promise you, it has the answer mm-hmm. in there. It may take some work, and may not involve all the fun things that you want, but it will fix things
0: the way they need to be fixed, as best as possible. Yeah, because you may find. That in your relationship with your father, you may you may actually be the one playing the role of the adult, or playing the role of the one reaching out, playing the role like I shouldn't have to do this, but you're doing it. Doesn't matter. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't matter because you know that's kind of what you do. What and, are you and, gonna and, do? Wait forever? You know. <laughs> and a lot of times to it's out. not gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. If, if
1: you're waiting for somebody else to approach it, it's it's probably not gonna happen. You're gonna right. have to reach out there, and be that agent of reconciliation. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk before we get going about GLS because yep. it's huge and yep. it's cool and there's going to be some cool things happening with that. Um, what is it, who should come, and, and when should they register by?
0: We've talked about it before. It, this is a this is like the premier leadership experience. July, uh, I'm sorry, August 11th and 12th is when it is. So it's Thursday and Friday. Now that it, seems far. It seems far, but it's not. It's less than two months away. Now it's a Thursday and Friday and people say, well, why are you doing it on work days? Part of the reason why is because it's an opportunity for you to pause from your work. You may need to engage the people at work and say, I need to do this because this is going to make me better at what I do. It doesn't matter what you do. Bring them. Bring your people. At work. Bring yeah. the people. Yeah. Um, this I realize this is new and people are going to be like, well, I've never done this before. This is going to become part of our culture. And again, I love this because this reaches out to a huge felt need. The people in our community here want to know how to be, how do I how do I become better at what I do? How do I make more money? How do I get promoted? How do I sell more stuff? How do I become a better me at work? And so all this stuff, it's gonna like it's a two-day just in your face, drink from the fire hose. The best leaders in the world, not all of them are Christians. I don't know, maybe half of them are, but yeah. there's but all truth is God's truth, Gabe. You know? But I believe that. And yeah. so 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 you're just gonna learn principles that that whether these guys know they fit with the scripture or not, they do because they work. You know, you talk about service and you talk about humility and you talk about giving and you talk about excellence and you talk about giving your best and not being selfish. These are kinds of things. And then it's just trickled down into all these functional areas that you can do. So what the biggest challenge I think that we might have is people saying, that sounds really cool, but it's not for me. And it's like, how do we convince people? No, it is for you. The thing they have to know, though, is July 12th, the price goes up. You're getting right now $89 if you go, if you're at Compass and you have the code. Um, we can't give you the code because a I don't know what it is, and b we only we're only allowed to print it like on our stuff when you come on Sunday morning. Right. But it goes up hundred bucks July twelfth. Um, so even at hundred and eighty nine dollars, you say, well, that's a lot of money, but it's not when you when you think about what it can do in terms right. of your advancement. When was the last? I guess I I challenge our the people that are watching and listening. When was the last leadership? What was the last leadership book that you read? What was the last self? help not self help as in weird, you know, um yeah. crystals and stuff. Kumbaya. Yeah, no. But I mean like to help yourself get better practically that you actually invest in. You are your greatest resource. You know what I mean? All you have is you. Once you're gone, right. you're gone. So so to to invest in that, I tell you I'm excited about it because we are we have built a leadership culture here. Yeah. And I, I this is and by the way, from a standpoint of helping people understand, it's a well. If you if you dig a well and there's good water in there, people will come. And I'm telling you, the well is deep here.
1: Yeah. I I remember going to we've gone how many years in a row? I don't
0: know, three. three. At least. But I, yeah. I mean I was before that too. I was I, going. I went. Yeah, I went yeah. in
1: college. We went to one. Um it is so useful. And every time I go, I go, Man, I wish so and so was here. Yep. I wish so. Yeah. I remember sitting in one last year was I think his name was Schust, the the guy for Ritz Horst, Carlton. Horse Schultz. Schultz some he, he had thick accent. Yeah. We're Americans, we don't know geography. So whatever I think he's German. German. Yeah. He was he was the uh he worked for Ritz Carlton. He started Ritz He started Ritz Carlton and works for another yeah. kind of place. But he he did a thing on customer service and the whole time, you know, I'm thinking, man, my wife should have been here. She would have got a lot out of that because she works you know almost everybody's in customer service in some way she owns her own photography business yeah. but learning how to you know like he just said some really powerful things that like you could just apply and go i'm going to i'm going to offer her something greater yeah. you know just and it really right moves you, you. Yeah. it
0: moves you like you're going i have to be, i have to be different yeah. you know when you see these guys and it's not i think some people think well some people were given these skills and abilities and they just kind of you know were they got the deep end of the gene pool or whatever else no these are people who've worked very very hard. right? And a lot of them from very difficult circumstances. And some of them are still in very difficult circumstances. You would not want to trade places with them, but in their context, they're amazing leaders.
1: Yeah, there was a, a pastor in Africa that had yeah. this small church, and he was trying to lead all these things. There was uh, the, the feedback book that Which we've uh, gone Sheila Heen uh, yeah. was up there speaking. That was awesome. You'd think, who doesn't need to learn how to receive feedback well?
0: Yeah, not just give it, but receive it. Yeah. So when you're told, you know, you need to fix this, and we've developed a feedback culture here. Where I mean, we go through and, like, if I, when I preach, um, you know, people have the opportunity to say, "Hey, you now that was good," or you know what? Here's what you could do better. Yeah, so. we did it
1: today with Andre. We sat down. We did, and he welcomed it. You know, it's it's good stuff that's not just for a manager per se. Right. Anybody can gain a ton from this. It's going to make you better at what you do. Absolutely. So cool. we we've got that. Uh, the other thing we we again want to say subscribe. Come to Father's Day this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is. And uh, Saturday nights, that's our last thing to hit, Saturday night service. We're starting S- that up.
0: Yeah, August um, 6th is our first Saturday night service, and we're going. We're doing this thing. And, I mean, I have so many people that are just annoyed by the fact <laughs> that we haven't done this yet, and there's been reasons. We've yeah. been waiting for our construction to get done. You know, um, we've been – you know, you've had – um, some job on Saturday night you've been doing somewhere and I'm I'm joking. I just made that up. No, but we, 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 we've (laughs) had, we've been ready to, uh, so I could have gone down a really bad, yeah, that could have been bad. bad. Yeah. Um, but I, anyway, we've been waiting for this to happen for a long time and we're ready. We don't want to start in the middle of summer because that's kind of dumb. So we want to do it when people are back. And here's the great thing. NFL season is coming up in August or I guess September is when it starts, but you know, the preseason stuff. And here's the cool thing. in um, in September, when people want to watch football on Sunday, you can go Saturday night. Saturday night. That's going to be a great option. We're
1: going to need volunteers for that. We need uh, registrations, again, yep. for, for for GLS. Register before, as soon as you can. Um, if you want to get that discount, it's a huge discount that they're offering for Compass Church yep. people. It's, it's great. It's great. You want to do that right away. Um, We need those as soon as possible, because once that deadline's passed, we won't be able to offer that as well. Uh, We need people to volunteer for Saturday nights. We need people to volunteer for GLS still, too. If you want to come and serve, um, you won't be able to attend. That won't be your first priority. You'll probably catch some things, but uh, we need people to serve and, and showcase our church, too. Yep, I agree. That's great. Thanks again, Tim. It's always a lot of fun. Again, you can subscribe. You can review. We want good reviews, right?
0: Always good reviews. Yeah. And so let us know. And if there's something that you want us to talk about, um, we'd love to talk about it. This is our time. And we just kind of, we don't, it's very unscripted. We just kind of talk about stuff, but we've had enough good conversations off the mic that we go, man, this is like stuff that we wish people could hear because we only get a little bit of time on Sunday morning. So this is, um, you know, the old days, they used to have the Wednesday night service, well, you know where you show up Wednesday night, and I, I'd love that because I mean, if I had a bunch of people to preach to Wednesday night, that'd be so fun. But that's not where we are as a culture these days. So this is kind of like your Wednesday night service. Yeah. So
1: keep tuning in. We're real excited to yep. offer it. We think there's a lot of value. We love you guys. We'll talk we to do. you next time.
0: We do. Bye bye.